Welcome to the Spirit Anointing the Word, the podcast of Highland Church, Jamaica, New York, with Pastor Subash Cherian. We're so glad to have you with us today, and we're excited about God's Word because it gives us strength and hope for each and every day. Let's listen as Pastor Subash shares this powerful message. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Abba, Father God, we just come this morning to give you worship and to give you praise. And Lord, we confess that you are a good God, a merciful God, gracious God. And we have come to thank you, God, for the yesterdays and the, and the days and the days gone by. Your mercy endureth forever. And we want to thank you for the great, mighty act of your love in sending Jesus and for all that he's done on Calvary's cross. Our Father, we come in the name of you, Yeshua, Mashiach, our Lord, our Savior, our Master. And pray, God, for your grace, salvation, and deliverance, and healing. And that needs be met much more than anything else, Lord. A greater love, a greater obedience, a mighty move of your Holy Spirit. Take charge, Holy Spirit. Bring us close to the Father, even before the throne room of grace. Spirit of God, that as we worship in spirit and truth, truly that we would hear. He that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit saith, even from the throne room of our Father. We give you all the praise, Abba, Father God. Bless your people, strengthen them, and you be glorified through Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. God's people said, Amen and Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Welcome once again. And those that are watching, we want to welcome you. And what a wonderful opportunity that we can worship the Lord in the midst of all this call that we're having here in New York. But those that are watching, if you could share or call your friends and have them part of this great, wonderful worship experience, um, you would be blessed. Thank you, precious people that have come uh, Sunday after Sunday and Wednesdays. I want to emphasize the Wednesday that this is a great time together for Bible study, and please remember that moment is moment that we gather to refill in the middle of the weekend to be able to thank God and praise God. We're continuing on in what we had left behind to do with the five senses spiritually, and we are still with the sense of hearing. And this is what the Spirit said, and deep in our hearts, he that has hears, let him hear. And this is way beyond the natural. We're talking about the spiritual years. I want to continue on with what we ended, but that be another time. I do believe that God speaks in so many diverse ways, in so many different ways. He speaks, of course, uh, in the Word and through the Word by the Holy Spirit. And in so many respects, He brings this revelation into our hearts. He speaks to us, of course, uh, in verified dreams and vision and also through the counsel and through the words of people. And we need to realize God has gifted people as well, apart from the many people that God has given in the local body, the church. It's a great opportunity that we can constantly hear his voice and to be able to listen to the word as we read and as the spirit anoints the word to our hearts. But this morning I want to continue to one reference that I made last Sunday and that is Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7 and 8. Today if you, wherefore as the Holy Spirit says, today if you'll hear his voice, in verse 8, goes on to say, Harden not your hearts, as in the days of provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Here the writer of the Hebrew is talking particularly about people in the wilderness. This is, so to speak, the children of Israel on their long trek in the wilderness coming out of Egypt before they enter the promised land. And this is a reference that he speaks in uh, Psalm 95 and verse 8. But we'll go to that in just a moment. He's again emphasizing this in the next chapter, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 7. And listen to what he says here. Again, he limited a certain day saying in David, today after so long a time, as it is said, today if you will hear the voice, his voice, the spirit voice, harden not 
your hearts. Now, I want to emphasize this very importantly. What happened in original, you can find all the way back in the book of Exodus in their uh, coming together and in their uh, deliverance and emancipation. And as they were walking this long um, journey to the promised land, there were times and seasons when they began to murmur and strife and all of this was taking place and all of this did result in a tragic situation so the psalmist also refers to this when you turn to psalm chapter 95 and verse 8 listen to the psalm they says "Harden not your hearts as in the days of provocation as in the day of temptation in the wilderness now what happened in the wilderness David is talking about his own time in his own generation. So when the writer of Hebrews writes that in chapter 3 and chapter 4 repeats it, what he's saying today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. The same Lord who spoke to the children of Israel, the same Lord as he spoke to Moses, is the same Lord that was speaking in the time of David, and he's the same Holy Spirit that speaks in our time even in this 21st century. So we need to realize today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, just like the people of Israel did in the wilderness. And he's speaking to David in his time as well. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church, to his people. If you hear his voice today, and that is the very present tense. Harden not your hearts as in the days of provocation. Now in chapter 95, he goes on to say that how they tempted me, provoked me, and all of this. And what happens at the end of chapter 95, literally it says somewhere in verse 11, they did not enter because of their unbelief. The same thing is mentioned at the end of the close of chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews in verse 19. Almost the same, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, they did not enter, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 3 and verse 16, the way he says is they did not enter because of unbelief. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse uh, 19. And they provoked and, and, and uh, says, see, we could not enter because of unbelief. One of the things we find is the writer of Hebrew is taking something that took place in the Old Testament and then again refers to David and then comes to the church that he's talking to and what he's talking about Moses. He was a servant, but the Lord was the master. Moses was the house, but the Lord Jesus was the maker of the house. And bringing the comparison, and he talks about that the Lord is greater than the high priest and all the things of the Old Testament. But here, he pauses to talk something very important, both in chapter 3 and chapter 4. Do not harden your hearts. When you hear the voice of the Spirit... So that's why the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to the seven churches. And he says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the church. The Spirit is speaking to God's people. The Spirit of God still speaking today. And what the writer of the Hebrews says, do not harden your hearts. And one of the things that happens is, is produces a heart of unbelief. I want to remind you, we begin all the way in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, how the voice of God, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, heard the voice of God. Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, how God speaks to Moses. And here he listens and begins to heed and comes out of that great uh, empire. When you turn to chapter 15, verse 1 again, God is speaking to Moses. Chapter 17, I am the Lord. And he says, walk, and, uh, and that's all that is uh, God's voice, and Abraham obeys. All the way you find that God speaks to the judges and through the prophets, and particularly the prophets. And you find this is going all the way into the New Testament when you find in the history of the New Testament called the book of Acts, and that is where we could refer to because that's something about 
each one of us, because the book of Acts has not ended with chapter 28. The Holy Spirit is still speaking in our time and in our generation. So when you turn to chapter 8 of the book of Acts and listen to what he says in verse 26 to Philip, he says, go southward toward Jerusalem, and that is, he's taking him down to the place in Gaza, in Samaria. And then, later on in verse 29, he says, go down and join yourself to this chariot. Basically, now in 29, and verse 29, and then again, you're going to find in chapter 10, God the Holy Spirit is speaking to uh, Peter, because he was in a trance, and then he doesn't understand it, he begins his... Uh, literally cultural heritage and the whole nine yards is limitation. And the Holy Spirit says in chapter 10 and verse 19, uh, you need to go. These three men are uh, coming to seek you. In verse 20, he goes on to say, go with them with no doubts. When questioned in chapter 11 and verse 12, he's saying, the Spirit bade me go. The Spirit commanded me to go. The Spirit spoke to my spirit and told me I should go. And that is what, we're not looking at the Old Testament, we're looking at the New Testament. And the book of Acts is not ended. What you find is, in the Bible, God says, hear my voice and do what I tell you. We don't have time, but Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 30 tells specifically to listen and be obedient to his voice. Now, you do find people who have heard and several of them, beginning with Abraham in chapter 22, verse 1 of the book of Genesis, and God said, Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham said, here am I. We'll talk about that in a moment. And the same thing, you find God speaking to Samuel, and Samuel hears the voice of God. This continues as you find in Acts chapter 9 and verse 10 and verse 11. God is speaking to a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias. He's telling him, go down and uh, pray for Saul. Um, Ananias is reluctant because in the next verse he says, listen, this man is a persecutor. He hates the Lord Jesus. He hates the church. But the Holy Spirit says, go. And he does. And he says, brother Saul. What a wonderful way in which he was obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and particularly in verse 10. He says, here am I. I am all yours to listen to what you are telling me in spite of the fact I don't know everything about what you're saying because I know what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, this man is an evil man. He's a great persecutor of the church, but the Holy Spirit has something greater and mightier than our own what would be the facts. I want you to understand there are people who obeyed, but there are also people who did not obey. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1 and verse 3. Go down to Nineveh, and in verse 3, rather than going to Nineveh, he goes diametrically opposite to Tarshish. You find that again in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 9 and verse 23, they were disobedient, and that is talking about the children of Israel. Now when you look at the book of Nehemiah, Ezra, and even Daniel, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 10, Daniel is crying out on behalf of his people that they, we are in this mess, we are basically... Uh, uh, taken over by the Babylonians and we're captives. The whole land is lying, languished and wasted because we were disobedient to the voice of God. You're going to find this over and over again. Now, all this to say, when you read Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 7, today if you will hear his voice, and then brings a reference to what David said, going to chapter 95 of Psalm and verse 8, going all the way back to Exodus chapter 17 and verse 7. This is the time in this place, particularly in this place, Masad, that is particularly Meribah, that something happens. Uh, you don't, we don't have time, but chapter, Exodus chapter 17 and verse 1, verse 2, they come to the waters of Meribah, they were basically upset, they were angry, they had nothing to eat. They basically began to 
chide. They began to murmur. They began to struggle. They began to literally fight against uh, God. And so you're going to find it is in this place, in verse 7, the name of the place is called Massa because of the chiding, because of the strife of the children of Israel, because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Here is something I want you to pause for a moment. This particular uh, place called um, Meribah is in the wilderness. But later on, you'll have another place called the waters of Meribah, and that also becomes a really uh, sad situation. But let's deal with this, because both the Psalm, chapter 95, and Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4 is talking about this particular incident with the children of Israel. I want you to think about it for a moment. These were not just anybody. This is what the book of Acts talks about and 1 Corinthians talks about. Paul writing and says, the church in the wilderness, so to speak. So if we're looking at the Old Testament people, they were the people of God, they were the assembly of God, they were the kingdom of God, and what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he says that is the church in the wilderness. So in reference to the church today, so there's a church that heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, and they resisted. They fought against the voice of God, and they chided, and what you find is there was strife. And as a result, Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 says there was a heart of unbelief. Not only a heart of unbelief, but it was an evil heart. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12, what the writer of Hebrews is telling us, this is what produces uh, in chapter 3 and uh, chapter 4, not Ephesians, uh, and we go down to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12, Brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil art of unbelief in departing from the living God. So, hardened heart turns to be what would be a heart that is evil, that produces what would be unbelief, and that unbelief makes you depart from the Lord. We're not talking about just anybody. We're not talking about just some people sitting as spectators. They were participants in the great emancipation. They were people that were redeemed by the mighty hand of God. The psalmist talks about it over and over again. They were people who saw the great acts of God, the great wonders of God, the greatest miracles of all time. They were the people who saw that we could never imagine the greatest civilization, the greatest empire, even Egypt, together with their king, the Pharaoh, were humbled, and the gods were humbled because of what they did to the children of Israel. God stretched out his hand and brought them out triumphantly. They saw miracles after miracles after miracles. They saw the acts of God, the power of God, they heard the voice of God, the thunder and the lightnings. I want you to know these were people that had seen the acts of God. And yet, all of this being said, they on their trek in the wilderness, every time they hit a bump, every time they met with some obstacles, suddenly they were murmuring. Suddenly they were questioning God. Suddenly their heart was hardened. It became an evil heart that produces unbelief. And ultimately, simply did not believe in God. And they departed from the living God. I want you to understand, this is the church of the Old Testament. These are people like you and me that have heard the voice of God and instead of being obedient, they literally were disobedient. Instead of being mellowed, and instead of being pliable and flexible in the, and to the voice of God, they hardened their hearts, and their heart became evil, producing disbelief, departing from the living God. The saddest situation is both in Psalm and in the book of Exodus, in the book of Numbers, 
And also in the book of Hebrews, we're told they did not finish their course. We're told that they did not enter into the promised land because of their disbelief. Because of what was the result of a disobedient, evil heart, a heart of unbelief. You know, many a times we wonder, how could it be that these who had seen the great mighty hands of God, they have seen miracles of God, they have seen the answers to their prayer, they've been crying out, and God brought Moses and brought the greatest miracle. They have seen things that you and I may never see in our lifetime. Power, such power and display. He bared his right hand and he saved them. Psalm 98 verse 2 tells us. And yet these were people so spoiled. God indulged them with acts of his greatness and great acts. And they were disobedient. They did not believe. I want you to realize many at times we tend to judge in the natural. And the church can judge people. She smoked, he smoked, the hair is colored red, or this is the fashion. God looks at the heart mainly. I understand the flesh is flesh, and that is, of course, bad. But we never ask a person, do you have pride? Do you disbelieve? Do you have a heart of disbelief? The children of Israel did crazy stuff. But it was one, the sin of the spirit, unbelief that kept them from the promised land, that kept them from their destiny, that kept them from what God had ordained to become people that God had brought from Egypt to become an army, a force that would be a fighting force, that would be triumphant. They did not. They could not enter the land except for two, Caleb and Joshua. Listen, many a times we tend not to think about it. Satan was all-powerful, God is almighty, and yet Satan's sins were not the ordinary, it was the sin of pride. You don't see that. You don't get a web, someone waving and saying, I have pride or... I have unbelief, but those sins are the sins of the Spirit that knock people out. And if there's anything that hurts the church of God today, there could be many externals. There could be many things in the soul. But what is so tragic is church fails to realize the sin that knocks them down is a sin deep down in their spirit. Pride, unbelief. It is what hurts the church of God today. And so we find in this passage that there was a heart of disbelief because they had an evil heart, because they had a heart that has hardened. In the course of time when bumps and obstacles come along the way, we must realize things happen for a purpose. God is almighty. He knows he could have kept that away, and yet God allowed it, even though it did not come from him. But God allowed it to shape us, to basically change us, to transform us through the situation, because he works in us, and he used the circumstances outside. But instead of understanding that in the Spirit, to what the Holy Spirit is saying, we begin to murmur and complain and very get hurt. And then finally, it causes disbelief, unbelief, that brings us to a place that we harden our hearts and we would not want to be in what God says. In fact, the Bible says, departing from the living God. We have a ritualism, we have religiousism, but not really a vital relationship. Hearing from God and speaking to God. Reading what God says and responding to what God has spoken to us. Now let me just remind you, this is not because they could not understand or they were not able to discern. It is simply because they did not want to listen. 
It was not an inability to hear. It was simply an unwillingness to listen, to be able to hear, listen, obey, and trust God. So the Holy Spirit is saying, today if you hear my voice, today if you hear my voice, this word today means right now, at this very moment when you are hearing this message, it could be another day for you, but it's this day. If you will hear my voice, and God speaks to you in your situation, God speaks to you through the situation and condition you're going through, and God has given you an answer. He's given you the solution. His word. And the Spirit anoints the word. And so many ways, situations, even circumstances, will begin to bear witness to what God has spoken to us in the word and in our spirit. Through dreams, through visions, through people, confirming it. And we must be pliable and sensitive to what God is saying, that we will be obedient. So we realize a sad situation. So first let me say something positive and then something negative. I'll be talking about Moses and the amazing man who listened to the voice of God, but to the end, he and Aaron too were disobedient. It was not about gross sin, it was simply they failed to listen. But Psalm 95 and Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 is not speaking about Moses. It is specifically speaking about the children of Israel. But when you look what happened to Moses and Aaron, it's so tragic because when you turn to Numbers chapter 20, verse 11 tells us earlier he struck the rock twice. And then Numbers chapter 20 and verse 12, listen to what it says um, in the next verse. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because you believed me not, because you believed me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation to the land. You also will not go to this land. In verse 13, he goes on to say, uh, in the next verse, he says, this is the water of Meribah because the children of Israel strove with the Lord. And because of their strife, because of their st uh, stirring up against, there was such reaction to Moses, he got upset. And so speaking to the people of Israel, and instead of striking the rock once, exasperated, he beat the rock twice. Unbelief. If Maybe you feel you'd hit it harder, hit it more than one time when God says just hit. It's not how many times you hit, it's just hit once. It's not how loud you scream, you just speak. When you turn to Numbers chapter 20 and verse 24, specifically to Aaron, God is saying in the same chapter, he says, Aaron shall be gathered or he shall die unto his people, for he shall not enter into that land. Now, when you think about this, look at Moses. In num in num uh, uh, when you turn to Numbers chapter 27 and verse 14, specifically to Moses now, what God says, for you rebelled against my commandments in the desert of Zin, the strife of the congregation to sanctify me at the water before their eyes is the water of Kadesh in the wilderness. And then the next verse he says, you will not, but he gets to see from Mount Nebo, the great land, but never got it. I want to realize, even though we've walked with God, even though we've heard from God, God, our heart, sometimes turbulence or sometimes reaction to turbulence or reaction to situations and circumstances will cause us anger and cause us to react and in doing so, rather than listening, we become hard. It was not the case with Moses and Aaron, like the children of Israel, but it brought in a reaction, an anger to strike the rock, and they defaulted from entering the land, the promised land. I want to realize, when you look at Moses, again, chapter 95, of Psalm or Hebrews chapter 3 or Hebrews chapter 4 is not about Moses. It's not about Aaron. This happened much later. And again, there's something that 
we need to realize we get this part, but literally Moses had finished the course of his destiny. Moses and Aaron had finished everything they had to do, but the children of Israel did not. They stopped short from entering the promised land. They, every one of them except Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that entered. Thinking about it, I wanted to realize here is something we need to take note because if it was just a history of Israel, fine. But the writer of the book of Hebrew, which is basically the church that he's addressing to, is telling us how important, and he says, God who in sundry times, that's how he begins in chapter 1 of Hebrews and verse 1, who in diverse manners spoke to us, to the prophets, to our fathers, the Old Testament. But then in verse 2, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. God is speaking through Christ. He's still speaking today. And that's what it begins to say. Today, if you will hear his voice to the church, and then referring back to Israel, referring back to what happened in the wilderness, Harden not your heart. Something we can learn that is important, let's begin with positive. It is to do with Moses, a man that finished his task, finished his destiny, howbeit he did not enter the promised land nor Aaron, but these two had accomplished literally everything God had spoken to them. How is it that they were, especially Moses, was sensitive? How did he learn to listen to the voice of God? What was this know-how and how did he do it? You know, it begins in Exodus chapter 3. I want to look at a, a few steps here. When you turn to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1, this is incredible, and Moses kept the flock of his father-in-law, the priest of Midianite, and he had the flock at the, to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of the Lord, even to Horeb. He ultimately, from the backside of the desert, led him to the mountain of the Lord. Pause for a moment. That is wilderness, it says. It's called the backside. It's the desert. Circumstances made him this way. He was presumptuous in thinking he would bring salvation. He would be the deliverer. And he did it his own way. I did it my way. And that's what he did. In doing so, he really messed up everything. And God had to reach out to him and took him 40 years. In which what he did murdered literally an Egyptian soldier. For 40 long years, and this was something like a pandemic, kept away, separated, limited, and a whole place in a wilderness. And it specifically says, not the front side, if that is great, but the worst of the part of that desert, the backside. When you turn to verse 1 in chapter 3, and he says, he came to the mountain of the Lord. How did that happen? The worst day of your life, a moment of nightmare. In the worst situation, in the worst place, you could not have been in the dumps that Moses was. Segregated, kept away, 40 long years. We just had three years during this COVID-19, during this pandemic. And my message from the beginning, before it began, was lockdown. And during that process, talked about the wilderness, and this becomes momentous for us, I had said, because it is a time that God is allowing. God did not bring it, the devil did. But God allowed it because he's still sovereign. If he wanted to stop it, he could have stopped it. But why would God do it? A wilderness experience for three years <coughs> that we would be closer to the Lord than ever before. One of the things you find is Moses listened to the voice of God in the most difficult of all times. In one of the worst of all times when you could not have imagined, in the backs of the desert, and soon this led him to the mountain of the Lord. I want you to turn the backside of your deserts 
into the place of God. Sometimes you say, why am I in this dumps? Why am I in this situation? Tragic situation has taken place. It has caused lives. It has caused a lot of problems. God could have saved us. <clears throat> he has power over the enemy. But there's a reason. And many times, God allows the devil to do what he wants, our enemies to do, so that God could use that to be training grounds. But more than anything else, I believe what God does and is doing today is he will sequester us. He would basically bring us away from the world into a wilderness that we would have mano to mano, just man to man, a confrontation, a time of communication, which we avoided. We're so busy in a very busy world. We don't have time with God. And this happens when we come to a place, whether in the hospital or whether in a time of COVID or in a pandemic, no matter what situation, God allows it to be in that backside of the desert so we could have a sense of communication and learn to use our spiritual skill to hear what God says, to hear what he's saying. That is the reason. And the first thing that sharpened that skill was in the most difficult moment of his life. And it was there in a wilderness, in the backside of the desert, that he listened to the voice of God and that he heard the voice of God. You know, when you turn to next verse, what happens is he looked and behold the bush burned. This was a place he had been everywhere. Every time in these 40 long years of trek in the wilderness was something unusual that day. He couldn't place it, but he looked. Today is a special day. I'm sure there was a yearning in his heart because he failed in the human attempt to, to bring a relief and emancipation to his people. And that 40 years he was, day of years, he was wondering, God, where did I go wrong? What should I do? I want to listen to you. He communed with God, I'm sure. But in this moment, he realized something is strange. Not that he was taken up to heaven. Not that he was taken up to the mountain of God. It was simply in the backside of the desert before he went to the mountain of the Lord. And suddenly the voice of God but it first begins with, in the wilderness, second, he beholds and he looks. You need to go into the looks of Jesus Christ, the seven looks. How he looked across, how he looked up. And many a times you see the things that he did. He always looked up to his father. Even in the time he sequestered himself, he withdrew into the wilderness. In fact, that seems to be something very important in the life of Jesus. If you turn to Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, it simply says, early in the morning, rising up great before, he went out and departed to the solitary place. Solitary place. That is important. One of the things that we find in the 21st century is that when we're alone, we fear the most. People are afraid to be alone. It is something we need to, to hear from God. Otherwise, we'll be swept into a wilderness experience, the backside of the desert. Take full advantage. Have an audience with God because he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to open your heart and to listen to what he has to say. Number three is found in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 3. Not simply what he looked, but he said, I will now turn around. This is something he has been doing for 40 years, but that particular day, he turned around. Now, what you find here in the Old Testament is the New Testament word for conversion, or simply turn around, moving around from the old way and beginning to Go back to God. The prodigal son said, I will turn back and go to my father. And Moses turned back because there was a curiosity why the bush is not burned. It's, there is these bushes in our life. 
There's those similar incidents in our life, and many a times we miss that opportunity to look in the spiritual realm and to understand this is something and turn it around. Number four, what was so remarkable as he turned around in chapter 3 and verse 4, and when God saw that he turned around, God called him. In reaction to what Moses did, when he turned around, when God saw that he turned around, God spoke to him. And God said, Moses, Moses, God speaks in a way that you could never have imagined in your difficult situation. In a time you're in the dumps, in a time you're in the wilderness, in a time you're even in the backside of a desert. Are you going through that situation now? Listen to the voice of God. There's so much of voices. A voice that says, I'm afraid. A voice that says, I'm going to die. A voice that says, things are coming to an end. A voice that says, you're going to the madhouse. No! Listen to what God says, not what your flesh says, not what the devil says, not what the world says, not what this channel says. Listen to the voice of God. If you will hear my voice today, harden not your hearts as in the days of provocation. And when you turn to the end of verse 4, listen. And Moses said, here am I. In honey. In honey simply means, here am I. I'm all yours. I'm yours. At that very moment, these three words is one word in Hebrew. In any, I'm here. I'm all yours. I'm attentive to what you are saying. I've got myself focused on you, tuned to you. I want to listen to you. I am all yours. I'm all yours as well. Thus begins an awesome, wonderful relationship that Moses cultivated from that wilderness experience up on the mountaintop, every opportunity he got to be able to climb up, not so with the children of Israel. This man would want to hear in the solitary moments of his life, or he would make himself aloof to hear the voice of God away from the voice of everything else. He would hear complaints, he would duty calls, and yet he wanted to know what saith the Lord, he that hath an ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to you, what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. And yet for the children of Israel, they had seen some great wonders. They had seen amazing miracles. You go into Exodus and see the, how God plundered Egypt. He bared his right hand and literally brought down everything that the Egyptians were so proud about. And with a mighty triumph, he led them out. And the children of Israel saw it. They were witness to the acts of God. But what they didn't know was the ways of God or the words of God. When you turn to Psalm 103 and verse 7, Listen to what the psalmist says. He made this ways known unto Moses. His acts to the children of Israel. All they wanted to know was the acts of God. I want to see miracle after miracle after miracle. They forgot the ways, the word of God. It's not whether the ways or the acts, we need both. It's not whether we need the word and just we need the spirit we need the Spirit anointing the Word. We must be people of the Word, and we must be flexible and pliable and sensitive to what the Holy Spirit will point us to the Word and speak to us even in this 21st century. So you're going to find children of Israel. They just knew the acts of God. They wanted miracles, they saw miracles. They wanted this, they got it. But do you think they cared for God or to listen to what God has to say? They didn't want to know His ways. The only way that you could find His ways is through the Word of God. They just wanted to see. We're living in the 21st century church, all exciting, 
and a preacher is always telling about big bombastic things just one scripture and that too he doesn't refer to it it's all an excitement it's all a gymnasium we need the act of God we need the Word of God may God not only show his word is waste to us. And may we also see the acts of God that we would know the word anointed by the Spirit. I told you in chapter 3, it closes with, they did not enter the promised land. I told you in Psalm chapter 95, it closes with this, they did not enter into the promised land. I told you in the book of Exodus, they did not enter into the promised land. These who were members, what you call the church of the Old Testament, people who seen the great wonders of God, missed it all out. He that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says. And so we need to realize what is it that we can learn from them. The writer of the Hebrew begins to tell us about it. When you turn to chapter 3 and verse 11, he tells you what happened in their life. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter. Why? Because of their heart of unbelief. Evil art. Listen to what it says in verse 12. As you go down, take heed, brethren, there be, there be in any of you an evil art of unbelief in departing from the living God. It begins with an evil art, and it is because of unbelief. But earlier verse tells us, harden not your heart. The first thing the writer of the book of Hebrews says, take heed, alert, alert, alert. Be careful. The times when the word of God just pops out, I write there, IMP, important. Then when it begins to strike so much like it's hot coal, hot lava into my spirit, I say important, important, and important. IMP, IMP, IMP. Alert, alert, alert. Take note. Don't harden your heart because of the situation that you've gone through. Listen to what God is saying in this situation. There was a zoo somewhere in Kirby in England, I understand, that literally had to pay people for what they lost while visiting the zoo. So investigators went down to find, why are we wasting all this money? And they found out particularly a lot of stuff was lost basically before the monkey cage. And what was particularly lost was largely spectacles, and they found out the reason why. Not far away, but right on the cage, was letters written in small letters. Alert! Be careful! These monkeys grab your spectacles. They were not written in bold letters, so they went down to look and monkeys just took it out. Alert! If you will not listen, the ravens of the air will take the word even before it comes into the heart that is good to receive the word. The Lord talked about three, four kinds of ground. But the first one is alert. Don't let the word slip by. Number two, in chapter 3 and verse 12, he continues to say, he says, lest there be in any of you an evil art of unbelief. It begins with an hardened art. It begins because you were upset. It didn't happen your way. It didn't happen to Moses this way. And things turned topsy-turvy. He could have been upset. Forty long years. We haven't gone through that. But his heart was mellowed and opened when he looked, when he heard, when he turned around. And he said, here am I, in any Lord. And for the children of Israel, a hardened heart, there was an evil heart of unbelief. This is what is called an evil heart. Worse than anything else that you could look in the natural, worse than anything else that you couldn't look in the soul, 
The worst is the spiritual sin deep down. No one will know that, but only you would know. I have actually don't believe. I don't believe God can do this. I don't think God can even back his word. I don't believe that. And yet the Spirit is speaking to you in the situation you're going through. Then number three is found in verse 13. God's on to say, exhort one another in this long trek, in this journey of life, in this pilgrim's progress. We have to exhort one another. Don't be discouraged. Don't be disheartened. Don't get hardened. Listen, God is not finished with us yet. These things happen. There must be a purpose. God is not going to destroy us. We shouldn't complain about it. God has something better for us. He's shaping us. He's tuning us. He's putting us into the potter's wheel. There must be something that he's trying to turn us into his masterpiece. God is not hitting at us. He's using, he's using everything the devil is throwing at us to turn it around, as Joseph said, for our good. So exhort one another, more so seeing the day approaching. And the number four, lest any of you be hardened, he calls it the deceitfulness, the deceitfulness of sin. Think with me, my friend, it started in the Garden of Eden. When Satan came as a serpent to Eve, has God said so? She should have God said so. I believe so. Suddenly she begins to think, I'm not a God. He's taking me away from the pleasure of being God. My friend, you are a creation, but you are loved by God. There's only one God. And we need to trust him and believe him. You shall be as gods if your eyes are opened. This is it. Eat what God says not to eat. She had an hardened heart. Why is God keeping this away from me? When there are millions and zillions of fruits and trees in the Garden of Eden, she is concentrated on one hardened heart. And so she ate, and her eyes were opened. She realized the very goodness and the grace and the glory of God departed. She was naked with Adam. So he says in verse 13, lest your hardened heart through deceitfulness of sin. That is what Satan will do to bring deceitfulness. God hates you. God doesn't love you. So that's why you are being punished. It's bad luck. It's bad thing. That is because God doesn't protect you, my friend. God is going to rescue. He's giving you step up. Believe me. Hear the word of God. And it's so sad when we look at this. But let me say this, my friend. The Spirit anoints the Word. And I want you to understand, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. God, who at sundry times in diverse manner spake in time past unto the, unto the fathers by the prophets in the Old Testament, in verse 2, in these last days spoken to us, speaking to us, by his son, whom he has appointed, heir of all things, whom also he made the world. Everything is made by him. He knows the end from the beginning. Amen. And I want to realize what the Lord Jesus Christ says in John chapter 10 and verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. Sheep are fickle-minded. Sheep basically just looks and does crazy stuff. But thank God for the shepherd. Keep Amen. your eyes on the shepherd. Amen. Keep your ears open to the shepherd. You just be safe. Something about the sheep is they are the most vulnerable of all animals. You know, I tell you sometimes, I think of human being as eggshells walking on the street. We are game to anything and everyone, particularly in the fight that is the spiritual fight. What can we compare? We're like shells. And yet the shepherd is with us. He will guard us. He will guide us. Keep your eyes upon him and listen to the voice of the shepherd. 
Just before I close, I want to just give five, maybe. It speaks to every one of us one way or the other because God, the Holy Spirit, is going to anoint the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that we tune our hearts to God our Father and give Him glory. That we would know God speaks to us in this difficult and difficult of time. First, let me just tell you, Jesus is speaking to a woman caught in adultery. She's going to be stoned, and that's what the laws of Moses, but Jesus came to bring grace and truth far greater than Moses. And here is this woman in John chapter 8, going to be stoned, and when all of the accusers have rocks in their hand, Jesus said, if there's one that is without sin, can do it, they let go of the rock. But she turned around, and Jesus the Lord said, where are your accusers? There's none, Lord. And John chapter 8, verse 11, neither do I condemn you. Go, sin no more. You have a new lease in life. I'm speaking to someone that has been so bonded and so troubled that sin and the effects of sin have troubled you and captured you and you are habituated. It's like it's taken you to the abyss. Almost you're like in hell. It's hounding you. And you're worried. You say, God, if I die, I will see hellfire. I want you to listen to the voice of the shepherd. Go. Accomplish what you are meant to be in this earth. Sin no more. God is setting you free. He's forgiven you. Can you receive this word today? It is the Spirit anointed the word to you. Don't let sin, don't let things that trap you and trap you and take you down. You don't need to go through that guilt. Neither do I condemn you. Satan condemns. He's the one that accuses the saints. But God says, through Jesus, neither do I condemn you. Jesus comes to give us the message of truth and grace. And our Lord tells each one of us, he's not condemning us, he's forgiving us. Remember, his name in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, it is he will save his people from their sin. It says in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, if we confess our sin, he is just and faithful to forgive us our sins. Number two, take another passage, God is speaking to you. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 13. It is to a man that has come troubled because someone that he loved is dying. And I'm going to repeat the words that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to the centurion and what the Spirit of God is speaking to you in your situation. Go your way. As thou hast believed, so it be done to you, your servant, your friend, your child, your colleague is healed the selfsame hour. The Spirit of God speaks to you that he's more powerful sickness, he's more powerful than demons, he's more powerful than demon, the Lucifer himself. He's more powerful than the mountains that stand against you. Go, believe, it is done. I want you to know the Spirit of God is speaking to someone today that has been caught in a situation that you've been worried about your own spouse, your own friend, caught in a web of, of such situation, almost spiritually dying or physically or mentally dying. And God says, go. The self-same hour, this person would be healed. You. You've been concerned about your son. You've been concerned about your business. Go. And I'm speaking the words of the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. You're going to come out saying, thank you, Lord. There's another passage where Mark chapter 5 and verse 8. This is a man that comes out of Gadarene, totally, completely possessed of the devil. He's been captured, chained. There's no use of his life, people said. He's in the wilderness, not with God, with demons. Satan has made a mincemeat out of him. But Jesus comes and he's coming to you in your situation. And Jesus speaks this word, 
no matter how demon-possessed the man, no matter who is demon-possessed, in your own knowing, in your heart, you can hear the voice of God. You can hear the powerful word of God saying, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. The man became of sound mind, and he of his own volition was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you think the Holy Spirit can do that? Do you think God speaks today? If you will hear the voice, harden not your heart. What he's done yesterday, he can do today. And he will do it tomorrow. I want you to know, my friend, there's something about Luke is motto, is manifesto. Beginning in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me because he has come to preach the gospel. But listen close there. He goes on to say, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and liberty to those that are bruised or that are bound to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Here is a word to someone worried about their loved ones, worried about the situation in your own life, in the situation that you're caught up in. Jesus is speaking to a man who comes to the Lord. He's a prestigious man, but he humbles himself. And he's seeking after the Lord. And somebody comes to him and says, don't trouble the master. It's dead. Your dream is dead. Your business is dead. The prophecy is dead. Whatever you had hoped on is dead. Don't trouble the master. The Lord speaks. Five words that can change your life, that change Jairus' life and his daughter's life. Brought alive a dead person. These five words are found in Mark chapter 5 and verse 36 towards the end. Listen to these words. He says, be not afraid. Three words. Don't be afraid. Only believe. I want you to stand up and say this with me. I will not be afraid. I will only believe. I will not be afraid. I will only believe. Just one more word. You may be seated. It could be your business. It could be an enterprise. It could be what God has put in you. A vision, a dream, something that you started, something that you've been concerned about. You know, it's been very difficult these days. And things are falling left, right, and forward. And here the disciples, the whole night did all they could in whatever they could. That's good they did. We need to do all we can. But you have tried every possible way. You've never spared anything. You turned every rocks around, and yet it is a situation. It's futile. That's what the disciples have been doing the whole night and caught nothing. Now, when you turn to Luke chapter 4, uh, Luke chapter 5, and verse 4, listen to what the Lord says. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, because Simon said, we've been fishing the whole night. We've been doing everything. There's no success. We can't build up this. In your situation, just as much as it in the situation of the disciples, the Lord said, launch out into the deep. You're fearful. You have every right to. You've been hurt. I can't go up in this relationship. I can't go into this business. I can't go into this dream. I can't see it possible. You're just there in the water. It's just right up to, to your toes. Go a little deeper. And it's knee deep. Go a little further. It's right to the waist. A little deeper and right up to the shoulders. A little more. And then you are flowing in the goodness and in the grace of God. You are right in the sea, in the ocean of what you thought was impossible. Look what happens. They launched onto the deep because they said, we've done this all night. Nevertheless, according to your word, because we believe your word. 
we will do it. And so they launched out, look at the result in verse 6. There was got so much that the net broke, you're going to get more than you ever could comprehend, dream, or imagine. In a time like this, yes, like Isaac, uh, like Isaiah, I'm sorry, like Isaac, you'd be able to do the best even during the famine. But the next verse, partnership, give them, bless them. You would be the means like Isaac was able to bless the people. You are blessed to be a blessing. Can I say this? Listen to what the Spirit of God is speaking. Reinforcing the word as he's doing today into your life and the lives of everyone. Would you say this word? Speak, Lord. Your servant listens. Could you say this word in Hebrew? Hineni. I'm here. I'm here. Speak to me, Lord. I'm all yours. I'm yours. God is speaking to you. Just where you are, just that people that have heard God speak to you, stand up and say, I'm here, Lord. I'm hearing. I'm hearing what you are speaking to me, and I believe it. I believe it today. I believe it, and I want to thank you. Thank you, Father, for your word to us, the Spirit anointing, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the word of the Lord. To learn more, please visit our website, highlandny.org, or our Facebook page, Highland Church, New York. Until next time, may God richly bless you.